Why some people think I'm toxic. Hello Matt, concerned YouTube viewer here. I saw a video on dream cheating and recommended your analysis vid in the comments. Someone replied saying that you were the most toxic individual they had ever seen and had no business in this drama. Do you have any idea why people have that impression of you? I do not believe you to be a particularly toxic or negative person and people think thinking that upsets me as a viewer of the YouTube. Sure, so imagine that each and every moment someone is meeting you for the first time. At every single point in your life, every second, one person meets you. Think of all the times in your life that you've had bad moments, down moments, you've snapped at people, been a complete arsehole, embarrassing moments. Now, that first impression will affect how that person views you. They may not stick around, they may not, you know, it's turned off completely, right? Uh, I have that all day, every day with my content. Thousands of people right this very moment are seeing me for the first time in some capacity. And there is gonna be some portion of those people that come away with a negative opinion of me and there's nothing I can do about that. Certainly, there are ways to increase or decrease the likelihood of this stuff occurring, but it just comes with the territory. Some people are going to think I'm a toxic person. There are things that I do that actually embody me as a person that I wouldn't consider to be evidence of toxicity, but another person would absolutely completely disagree. Like that I talk about politics at all. Some people would be like, that's fucking toxic, my dude. You're a fucking content creator, get the fuck out. People have these very strange standards as to what they believe people should or should not talk about or how they should or should not conduct themselves. And potentially they just disagree with how I conduct myself. So it's two different things. Either a person can get a misapprehension of me given limited information based on a, a limited exposure to me or my content, or they can have an accurate portrayal of who I am and how I conduct myself and my content, but they can have standards of a toxicity that I don't agree with because um, I don't consider myself a toxic person. But their accurate understanding of me, they would still conclude me as being toxic. Difficult projects can be the most satisfying. Oddly... That sleeping dogs project that I did, using my old footage, it was one of the most fulfilling responses I got to any of my videos. Like, it, it only has 70,000 views or whatever right now, which is far less than other videos that I make. But that the footage was so bad, and yet I produced something that I thought was pretty good and that I'm kind of proud of, that was, that was a good feeling, you know? I had a hard project that turned out well. Still working to get older footage processed. You love the sleeping do dogs vid? Thank you. I had uh, the Crash Bandicoot footage and Hollow Knight footage come back from editors and both were terrible. Not even close to a YouTube video. I'm tempted as well just to do them myself. But unlike sleeping dogs, I've only given that footage to like one person. Maybe I'll wait for two more people to fail on that footage too before I bother doing it. I have only got a finite amount of old footage. Once it's done, it's done. Then I never have to think about the footage from back 2017, 2018, 2019, that kind of stuff. If I don't have that footage though, I have nothing to potentially test new people on. But it's so rare for a person to succeed in the task. How many people have recently succeeded? Two? Three maybe? And even then actually thinking about it, it wasn't old footage. Foxy was four, four guys. Plume was among us. I guess Nico counts as well, but they went AWOL and so that just ended that immediately. Why I really want 10,000 subs on Twitch. Keep in mind that on Twitch, a sub is a $5 a month subscription. Apparently, the last emote slot 
is at 7,000. And then there's 10 emotes that you get unlocked at 10,000. As in, it's a progressive thing where it's like you need 10 more for each emote slot. Then it becomes like 50 more. Then it becomes 100 more. I'm currently at 400. So like I have to go from 6,600 sub points to 7,000 sub points to get the 50th emote slot. But then there's no progression after that. So from 7,000 to 9,999, there's no more emote slots. But when you hit that 10,000, you get another 10 emote slots. And you get the full 60. I would have to almost double my sub count to get those last 10. And boy, boy, do I really want those last 10. It is tempting to do like chaos every day or something until I hit 10,000 subs. Forgetting everything that happened in Pacifist Percent. It's been so long since I did Pacifist that I only have vague recollections of stuff that happens. So when I watch the footage, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that happening. I said, like, so it's fucking awesome, you know? That's why I'm kind of excited to really sit down and, and, and grind at the footage so I can relive those moments. And of course, the suffering, frustration, and pain and stuff, but... <laughs> I have finished Pacifist. I finished recording Pacifist like a thousand years ago. People occasionally come in and be like, hey, so, uh... When can I stop by to see you record the pacifist? I'm like, <laughs> build yourself a time machine. But as I've said before, once I do put out all the footage, I will uh, be going back to uh, trying to improve on, on the, the total deaths or total kills that I had. And you could watch that, but that's a while away. I think I will focus on pacifist after Oka. Mm. But if I finish pacifist before I start speedrunning again, I'll have nothing, I don't know, because then, then I'll just be facts and glitches speedrunning in chaos, like it was back in the day. I mean, as it is between pacifist stuff, so yeah, that, that'd be fine. Yeah, so I'm probably going to focus on pacifist after, okay. And I'll use that time to hopefully get um, my more competent people who help me with editing to um, go over my older footage while I'm distracted doing pacifist. Because I obviously won't be able to record new footage while uh, editing it. I might edit it on stream, but it's a very personal thing to edit, you know. Trying to be funny in editing is a little awkward for other people to watch, you know? When I'm streaming, I'm just being myself. It doesn't feel weird, but writing a joke and doing some voice line or something while other people are watching feels different. Will I return to no damage when it's done? Once I'm done with no damage, the only reason I will ever come back to it is if I want to do a no damage without using alt strat, which would be nice but amazingly frustrating. It would massively increase the amount of spots where uh, things can go wrong. And there are some parts that are, are effectively not solvable, you know, that I use old strat on. That even if I made better strats, it would just at best increase my chance of succeeding, not um, make it safe. Like I could certainly do a segmented with our old strat fucking easily, but. Australia's new link tax law on Google. This hasn't passed yet, but it might. People keep messaging me about this uh, thing that the Australian government, because I'm Australian obviously, that the Australian government wants to put in place. They want to make it so Google has to pay news websites to uh, to link to them. I don't, so the, the talk around the town is that this is just Murdoch, you know, uh, the media empire dude, um, him just, using his connections to get Google to pay him a fuck ton of money. It's not going to benefit Australia, Australian news, or just anyone except Rupert Murdoch, basically. It just seems to me... So Google is now threatening to leave Australia, as in, like, we can't use their search engine. 
I don't think this will have any impact on YouTube. Because not like YouTube um, links to news websites in Australia. So I should be fine. But in the, in the whatever weird scenario where Google just makes so YouTube doesn't work in Australia, um, I'd either use a VPN or move to New Zealand or something. But that's not a thing. But that's what people keep asking me about. Like in reality, a link tax, all that would do is make it so Google would prioritize linking anything except Australian news websites. Because it'd be every single other website reporting on the news would cost them no money, except Australian ones. Apparently Google has done some deal in France or something that they have to pay when they use snippets of like the actual reporting or something of uh, from news organizations or something. But using snippets of their material seems a little bit different than just linking to their website. Are they really going to give up one of the richest countries in the world? Ah, uh, Australia is really, really tiny. Its population less than 25 million. If Google thinks that this law could set a precedence that would cost them a lot of money on the global stage, they'd probably more likely want to abandon Australia and say, look, other countries, you don't want to go down this road or we'll abandon you too, rather than just letting the government get away with it. I've talked about this before where there is a lot of content made on YouTube right now that is just people finding the work of other journalists and reading reading their work. Like, a journalist goes to all the effort, gets the sources, writes a thing, drinks coffee, stays up 12 hours or whatever, gets the thing done, puts it out on their website, or the, the company they work for's website, and then some YouTuber goes, Hey, uh, so I read this, uh, this article, and it's pretty good, and here's my opinion on it, and I'm just going to read a uh, little bits of it here and uh, just to, to tell you about, about what's going on. And, and they just, and just sit there with a webcam and just read the article. And I'm sitting there going, how annoying must that be as a journalist to watch a person potentially make a thousand plus dollars just reading your work into a YouTube video? That doesn't seem right to me somehow. That person's labor, they're not being paid for it. At the same time though, it's in society's best interest for news to propagate and for as many people as possible to be able to learn about what's going on in the world. Like, in fair use, there's a rule where you can't own facts. Like, a journalist who writes up an article doesn't own the facts within the article, but you can own the presentation of facts. And an article you write about facts in the world is something that you own. And so you do have uh, protections on people using your, your, your work. In the same way that just because your article contains facts, it doesn't mean you can copy it and put it on your own web, on another website or whatever, right? But back to the link tax, I just don't know how this link tax would ultimately benefit the small Australian, Australian media organizations. It seems that the vast majority of this money is just going to go to Fox, go to Rupert Murdoch, and Rupert Murdoch doesn't need more money. His media enterprise, um, at least in its totality, isn't losing money. It's making fuck tons of money. Certainly it's the case that some of the media in Australia that Rupert Murdoch owns doesn't make money. That's because Rupert Murdoch has bought it up specifically for influence as opposed to the ability to make money. He's just crushed out all the competition or bought up all the newspapers in their particular region to spread his particular uh, brand of propaganda to the world, you know. It isn't about the money in those cases. But I'm sure he'd love to just get a fat stack of money from Google 
every single time one of these newspapers was referenced or linked to or whatever, you know. So long story short, I don't think whether or not this link tax goes through is likely going to impact me. And from a surface level look at, look at things, it seems as though it's just the coalition once more doing putting forth legislation specifically to benefit Rupert Murdoch because he practically owns the fucking party. News websites are dated. Journalists should create YouTube channels. It's funny. YouTube videos are not a great way to consume media. It's just a very fast way of consuming media. It's not like any YouTube video you can click a source or... Like, reading an entire article will have you understand things far more than reading a person's interpretation of that article. It's just not a lot of people want to spend the time, or even have the time, to sit and read an article for 20 minutes. A mod I would love for GTA 5 that would help with speedrunning. Do you think it's possible to mod the game to unlock every mission at once? That'd be really useful for testing. That's actually a really cool idea. Someone uh, after stream that to me. Make a mod that makes it so all missions are available at once. Well, I mean, I don't think that it'd be worth going to that kind of effort though, because you do still have the mission replay menu. But the problem with the mission replay menu is that you don't get the actual entry into the mission. A lot of testing goes into uh, how to get into the mission as fast as possible and the effects of the beginning of the mission. For example, it's going to come out in Facts and Glitches where the beginning of Meriwether Heist, before you go into the mission, it loses you the cops. So you can walk near the mission marker for Meriwether Heist, lose the cops and then leave and not start the mission. In the Facts and Glitches video, I literally just stand on the border shoot up in the air, get the cops, take one step forward, lose the cops, take a step back, shoot up in the air, and just do this over and over again, getting and losing the cops over and over, you know? Hoping I don't later consider my life wasted. That dude yesterday who mentioned that his, uh, uh, his grandfather died at 61 or whatever, I think to myself, like, you know, I'm close to almost halfway through my life, whatever, at a 29, you know? I'm, I just hope that I don't look back in 10 years and think I've wasted my life or something. Like, that would just suck so much. Getting to the end of your life, looking back and going, man, that was a fucking waste, you know? Like, I look back at a lot of my early 20s or whatever, the, the time I played World of Warcraft, I, I look back at that, that and think that was a fucking waste. I don't think it's likely, I'm likely to do that with, with this stage of my life. I find this stage of my life so fulfilling. True, you can always look at, look at it that way, where had my past been different, maybe I wouldn't be where I am right now. So it wasn't really a waste because it was a necessary prerequisite for my current life, you know? Always think about things as the glass being half full. My PogChamp is actually pretty good. For those unaware, Twitch showcased a different possible replacement for the PogChamp emote every day for 35 days. Like, when I first saw my PogChamp, I... I'm like, okay, maybe there are better PogChamps out there. But the more that get released, that seem so mediocre, I actually think my PogChamp is probably better than, <laughs> better than average at the very least. Like, my PogChamp is good, but it's not better than the original, right? I have had some good PogChamps, though. You look through my footage and maybe find a better one. Where does the ViperChamp come from? I don't know. It was made, like, five years ago or some shit. Hearing the original context for PogChamp was surprising to me. Where... He was just surprised that, um, the dude hit the camera. I thought something really epic had happened or something, but nope. 
My poke champ was a genuine reaction to something. I just can't what it was. Watching my iPad when I go to sleep and waking up to something completely random. I went to sleep one night with Dowski's stream on. When I half woke up, he, he had raided some other dude and the dude was just repeating over and over again. Man, uh, that was the run, dude. That was the 12 minute run and I, I lost it. Oh, I can't believe, oh man. I'm like, like, what the fuck is this noise? Just shut up, dude. I try to get back to sleep and he says, and it's like, he must have gone on about it for like five minutes. I'm like, fine, I will wake up. Oh my God, I don't care about your fucking sub 12 run. I turn off my fucking iPad. I do wonder now though, who was that guy? And why was his RNG so good that he could have gotten sub 12 but screwed it? What happened? I'll never know now. Rewatching my July 2018 video where I said I would probably have to quit streaming. So it was July 2018 where I made a video because I feared that I would have to quit YouTube and Twitch. My, basically my revenue had decreased and I didn't know if I could really afford to do it. Like I knew that every month I'd just be eating into my savings more. And so I thought I'd really have to quit. I, I, I didn't think what I was doing was responsible anymore, but I said, hey, look, you know, I've got, it's not like I have other prospects right now. I'm going to keep streaming and, uh, and see what happens. But long story short, watching that video, I'm like, that was only two and a half years ago. I feel as though I've been successful forever. In relative terms, I was successful at that point because, you know, I was averaging 200 viewers. But I wasn't successful in the sense of being able to uh, live off streaming. At least, not easily. It was a humbling experience. Like, it just, it just made me realize how far I've come, you know? Oh yeah, I was paying 200 bucks in rent back then. But it's kind of like just Australian rent in general. That's just pretty cheap for Sydney. That's because I was living with two other people. But like looking at that video, man, I was really, really sad. I looked like I was about to cry at the end of that video, man. And I'm just like, happy things turned out the way they did. Because I clearly, and as I know now, but even then I clearly really love streaming. I wasn't even making YouTube videos at that point, really. I mean, like I, I basically quit doing that. I was just streaming. I loved it that much. And I was just so sad that I might have to quit it. I was tempted to release the video really again, but I think it'd just be too embarrassing. Parties after COVID and me getting COVID vaccine. I wonder how nutty the first Twitch party is going to be when COVID is over. I wonder if things will change for me specifically. Like, when was the last Twitch party I went to? Maybe two years ago? <laughs> Almost two years ago? I guess more people would know me. Like, in reality, it doesn't seem like COVID will ever be over. It will just be much more manageable or whatever. I imagine it will end up like the flu. Well, nothing like cancer, obviously, because cancer isn't, it's not a virus or whatever. It doesn't transmit person to person. I imagine I will be the very last person to get the vaccine because my interactions with people is zero. <laughs> the closest I have to being, to interacting with people is when people deliver me food. And even then it's like they put the food in front of my door. I distance myself, or they distance themselves. I open my door, get the food, and I, I use hand sanitizer. <laughs> Watching media while doing something else. I was listening to Trash Taste, and they were discussing whether you can really watch something if you're watching that thing while doing something else. It's mainly how I consume media, although a lot of what I do is I work on something for like 10 minutes, and then I watch something for three minutes, like starting and stopping. A little bit different, but... It's very rare that I have a bit of media that I 
fully put 100% of my attention into. Yoink, origin. <laughs> yoink. What the fuck does yoink even mean? Where does the word yoink come from? Is it meant to be like the sound effect or the sound that happens when you take something? It's from The Simpsons? I find that hard to believe. It's just such a strange word. So what, it came from The Simpsons in the same way that dough came from Simpsons. Dough. I just thought it was the fucking word. Onomatopoeia being um, words that are meant to represent the sound or whatever. Simpsons writer George Meyer has been credited with coming up with the idea to have a character say yoink when taking an item from someone or something. Former showrunner Bill Oakley tweeted recently that Maya actually got yoink from Archie comics. Ah, interesting. The plot thickens, but where did Archie comics get it from? Get fucking Scooby-Doo on the case. Is GTA 5 programmed well? There are a lot of glitches and stuff in this game, but this game is fucking huge, you know? And the overwhelming vast majority are completely inconsequential. To the extent that it took years for them to be found, right? The game in general is, is very well programmed. <laughs> Especially when you compare it to uh, many titles that have been released recently. I mean, Cyberpunk 2077 has totally uh, lowered the bar of people's expectations for games in general. It doesn't matter how bad game releases are, people go, well, it's, it's at least it's better than Cyberpunk 2077. The problem with Franklin. I like Michael more than Franklin. Because Franklin is kind of... His story isn't super fleshed out. It's like, look at Franklin's beef with Stretch. Why does Franklin hate Stretch? Why does Stretch hate Franklin? They just they just kind of have that beef that they've and, it's, and Lamar's like, oh, you guys have always been beefing. It's just like, there's not much there. When you look at Trevor and Michael, they have a history and the their drama or whatever permeates the entire game. Stretch and he shows up twice in the story. No, he shows up more than that. He shows up um. Oh, well, I guess show up is different because he, um, he impacts the story in that, like, he's the one who sets up the, the hood safari thing, for example. So it's, it's long stretch the third way, and that's it? Just the two? Now he's not in Lamar Down. Yeah, no, stretch is, again, stretch is involved in Lamar Down, but he doesn't show up in the mission. Which means Franklin is a less interesting character than either Trevor or Michael. M. Plemon. Hey Matto, just finished watching your latest rambles video. Really enjoyed them as always. I don't think I've heard your opinion on creator Emp Lemon before. Emp Lemon's video on Hungrybox was one that got me uh, interested again in Melee. And I followed Hungrybox over that. His videos on content ID and copyright and stuff, also very interesting. I know I've, I've seen probably half a dozen to a dozen of his videos and gone, yeah, these are very well made. He's very talented. I've also seen some stuff that is suggestive that maybe he and I wouldn't jive politically. N nothing important or, or worth remembering, really. But I just, I remember having that feeling seeing something. I can barely remember what it is. But who really cares, right? He, he makes good content, you know? I probably watch every video that he brings out. How different companies and music labels treat their music on different platforms. Where did I get this lo-fi Where did I get this lo-fi music from? It is a content ID free playlist that I've been using for something like how long now? Like three years? No, no, maybe not that long. Two plus years? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a very long time I've been using this exact same playlist. They keep adding new songs to it though. Only recently are more and more people starting to use it because of the whole DMCA drama on Twitch. And so 
while once upon a time it was very rare for me to stop into a stream and to hear this playlist, now it's becoming more common, which is unfortunate. Although it seems most people are going the route of using video game music, because obviously if people or companies were DMCAing music, then you wouldn't be able to stream or, uh, you know, show video games on YouTube. Because it'd be impossible to distinguish between the use of a song in a game versus using that song in another context. Although, if companies were willing, they could actually make that distinction or whatever. They could train a bot or something to detect if this song is being played with the wrong visuals on screen or some shit. But <laughs> they're not likely going to go that effort. All music has some risk when it comes to content creation, but content ID free playlists, uh, I think, are the, the lowest risk. There is a tiny amount of risk, though, because you never know what's going to happen five years from now, whether the company will let their ownership lapse or something, or they'll sell it to someone else. And sure, you could argue in court that you had a license to use it at the time, like you wouldn't want to go to court for that shit, right? And with video game music, there has been a handful of cases where Nintendo has started claiming videos with their particular music in it. But Nintendo, especially those old Nintendo games, have some really fucking great music in them. Especially because they're good songs, but also they're nostalgic. Who doesn't feel good when they hear a Banjo-Kazooie song come on? You know, you got into my streams because once upon a time I was playing Five Finger Death Punch. Don't really know that band well, but I know I had at least one of their songs in my playlist. We've talked about this before, like, a lot of people get introduced to songs because of places like YouTube or Twitch or whatever, at least before they started cracking down on DMCAs. Uh, like, right now, so many songs have been thrown up into, like, the top 10 charts or whatever by TikTok. All it takes is one song, or at least a part of that song, to go viral on TikTok, and everyone searches out that shit on Spotify and puts it in their playlist. Like, of the seven songs that I put in my playlist recently, like three or four of them, I got them from TikTok. It's just funny the different ways that companies have treated the different platforms. Like with TikTok, they, they, like they're, they're paying people to dance to their songs or to try to make them go viral and shit. We're on Twitch, they're like, you, how dare you play a fucking nanosecond of my song? How dare you? I will destroy your entire career. It's just, it's nonsense. Clearly with Twitch, though, they were hoping Amazon would just pay them a fuck ton of money in the same way that um, Google does that. And I suppose there is some difference between playing the entirety of a song versus a small snippet of it, but not really. Someone asked, what, did, what does Google do? G Google pays the music labels heaps and heaps of money because of the, um, the ad revenue. Whenever a song gets claimed on YouTube, you know, YouTube gives the ad revenue to uh, the music label. I wonder if YouTube even takes their cut. I'm not, I'm not even sure that they do. Who knows? But on Twitch, like, the ad revenue is so small. And obviously, while on YouTube, you can get the perfect song for the perfect scene. You want that exact song for that scene. On Twitch, it's just like, the music that's played is just background noise, you know? You're not catering particular songs to particular scenes. Any background noise will do. 3D printing may change everything soonish. Clearly what we need is the ability to 3D print food. Food that is already cooked. 3D printing needs to become a thing where, like, you can build stuff atom by atom. You have the basic building blocks of reality in your 3D printer, and then it combines them together in a particular way to build anything. 
Get on that shit, science. What was I reading recently where people were talking about how there's going to be a huge revolution in the next 50 years or something with 3D printers? How so many goods are going to be a lot cheaper to 3D print at home rather than going to buy them? Like when you remove the need to ship something, all the middlemen, the labor involved in the actual construction and stuff, and all you have to do is just go online and press a button and it starts printing. You can massively reduce the, the cost of certain goods. But more than this, like even in things that require a lot of different parts to be built, rather than having to, you know, ship those parts from all around the world, having the ability just in one building to print each of the parts that you need, and then you can put them together in that one building, that will also massively reduce the cost to build certain things. This is what they say though. I do not really know the limitations of 3D printing and what, what it can or can't do, and what will be possible for it in the future. Do I watch Call Me Kevin? Do I watch Call Me Kevin? I've only recently become aware of Call Me Kevin because he started doing chaos. Given how successful he is, I, I'm sure I've, I, I know I've heard his name somewhere before, because he's just been around for that long. I looked on his social blade and he's been getting 40 million views for like 10 million years. That's a kind of long career that any person would love to have. Whenever I meet or learn of a content creator like that, I always want to know what their history was. Like how they got their start. How they had the staying power to stay around that long. That's kind of what I want to do with that, um, my rambles with a series. Content creation is such a interesting thing to get into. And the pathway to get into it is so varied that it's always interesting hearing a person's story. I've yet to hear one that isn't interesting. He went full-time on YouTube because he got hit by a car. Really? I mean, I, I'm not I'm not laughing because he got hit by a car. I mean, that's that's kind of what I mean by there's always some interesting story, right? That is one thick silver lining. The tragedy of being hit by a car turning into a long successful career online. I can't tell if you guys are lying or not. <laughs> Three clicks, Philip. In, in a video, I had only recently learned of Three Clicks Philip, and for whatever reason, I called him Three Licks Philip. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> oh no, three, three Likes Philip is what I said, that's right. <laughs> what a name. I don't know. Obviously, I know, know of him far more now. Another person who seems like a very interesting dude. I watch pretty much every video that he releases. I even watch his, um, his re retrospectives on the uh, coronavirus in the UK. There's just something about his voice that I find very soothing. Philip even said himself that according to a poll, most of his viewers don't even play CS, even though most of his content's around that. Uh, I mean, like, his two clicks Philip and his just clicks Philip channel isn't CS. But yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if the majority of my audience doesn't play GTA 5, not even GTA Online. I've said many times about CS that watching people play it at peak performance is really enjoyable. More enjoyable to me than uh, playing the game myself. And I just, in general, like uh, anyone who's passionate about, or, or passionate and very knowledgeable about a topic. And Clicks Philip is definitely that with uh, CS. Sure, do a poll if you like. How many of you played GT Online within the last three weeks? GT Online or GTA 5? So 56% of my audience has played GT Online or GTA 5 in the last three weeks. That's not more than, that's not that much more than half. I wonder if my YouTube audience would be different. Regardless, it's, it's still, you know, a lot of people who haven't played. Interesting would be how many people have ever played. Like, what percentage of people have never played GTA 5 or GTA Online who actually watch my content?